My name is Mitch, and I currently lead our team here, and it's our privilege to have you with us. And we have first-timers and visitors today, all right? We have Ivan. Ivan, thank you so much for joining us, all right? And then we have, oh, I'm so happy to have Yanyan Yan here, all right? Yanyan, Yan, thank you so much for visiting, uh, no, not visiting, rather, coming here. Um, I hope you get to meet um, um, Bailey later on. Also, we have people from Saudi Arabia, all right? They come to eat the pork. They miss the pork so much, right? So we have Jenda, we have Mara, Lyra, and Victoria. Thank you so much for coming to Bahrain. And don't forget your pineapple juice. It's, it's very important, pineapple juice. Now, last week, I was talking with Marites, all right? But before I was talking with Marites, I, was, I just want to introduce to you my family uh, because we have first-timers. Right, we changed the picture because I've been using the same picture for the past, I don't know, forever. All right, so on the right, go back. <laughs> on the right is actually my son CJ. He's in the Philippines right now. He's working. He's a software engineer. And Crystal, my daughter, who was standing in front, I hope she gets a job soon so that she can buy more, more presents. All right, and then of course my wonderful wife, Army. Uh, sometimes my wife, sometimes my master. She actually gave me a, a new citizenship, right? She gave me a Canadian citizenship, right? When, when she says, magluto ka na dyan, so I, I have to cook, you know, cook, go and cook, something like that. If, you, if she says, maglaba ka na dyan, right, I, I have to go and wash my clothes. And because of that, because of what she's doing to me, yung Marites came to me. Right? Who, who among you knows Marites, right? Marites is someone who always wants to know the latest. Right, and this is her and uh, uh, Marites and I forgot her name. Marisol, all right. So Marites and Marisol. So Marites and Marisol came to me um, uh, about sometime last week, and they were asking about our trip to Dubai. All right. So um, and during our trip to Dubai, we went to the Dubai Frame. You know, who among you have been there? Right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Please. So Crystal's there. Right, so we went to the Dubai frame, and, and the thing with me is that I'm really an introvert. I, I am an introvert, and I don't want to go around. So they, and, and my daughter said I'm not a good bond person to bond with, so I said, okay, let's go. Right? In Tagalog, she said, ang pangit mo bonding. Right? So she, she asked me to go. And then when I went there, I, I realized that on the top floor, if you go to the top floor, in the top floor, you have to walk on glass. Right? You have to walk on glass. So, my wife wanted to take a picture with me in the glass. I'm an introvert. I'm scared of heights. You know, and she wanted to, to take a picture with me on the glass. I said, no, no, no. Let's take a picture here. Right? We took a picture on where? On the side of the glass where it's solid. You know, it's, it's solid. It's really solid. Solid ground. But later on, they irked me and they irked me and they keep on irking me and I get uh, a bit irritated. But because I trust my wife, She's a, she's a pretty beautiful wife, right? Because I trust my wife, yeah, I, I, I did walk on glass. Right? But if you, if you look at the picture, it's, it's only one foot, right? Because <laughs> the other foot is still on solid ground. No, 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 it was really on glass. It was on video. So we were walking on, on glass. It's actually a video. If you want to see the video later on, you can, you can just ask my wife. Right? But, that, but we did, I did walk on glass. And in retrospect, Sometimes in our walk with Jesus, brother, now we do have to walk on glass. Sometimes we have to walk on glass. There will be times when we have to make the difficult decision 
to let go of, of what we need or, or you know, to let go of everything in the world to follow him. There will be times when your faith will be tested. There will be times when you will be asked to give what you cannot give. And it's that time that you have to walk on God. Now, my question for you today is this. What is going to motivate your commitment to follow Jesus when that comes, when that time comes? What is going to motivate your commitment to follow Jesus Christ? And, and with me and my wife, what motivated me was actually I trusted her. Until uh, we took that group photo where all of us were on the grass that was killed. Right? And, and Crystal was doing this and was shaking. <laughs> but it's actually our trust and our faith in him that will motivate us to follow him through thick and thin. Anthony's not here right now, but I like what he said. When push comes to shove, when the rubber meets the road, right? It's our trust in Jesus Christ and in his word that will motivate us to walk with him. And that really is a very practical question we can ask ourselves today. It's very practical. Do we trust him enough to let go of everything we have in order to follow him? Like what I said earlier, you'll read 90% comes to the church, 10 is his tithe. He, he leaves your 10. And will we have that kind of tithe? I'm joking, because it's not the truth. But if it's the truth, it's good. <laughs> but, you know, our commitment to Jesus can only be as strong and as deep as our level of trust in him. Sad truth. That's, that's, that's the truth. Our level of commitment to Jesus can only be as deep as our trust based on him. It's a very practical question. But sometimes, sometimes, no, sometimes, because of the pressure of the world, the temptations that the world can give, not only that, on the other side as well, the victories that you receive, the bonuses that you receive, the promotions that you get, the new jobs and opportunities that get, you get, and of course the problems, you know, sometimes that distracts us from following Jesus Christ. Amen? Can I hear an amen? Right? It's not just the temptations and the hardships, but even our victories as well. Right? The blessings that we have, sometimes even that distracts us from following Jesus Christ. We become like turtles. Right? Like inverted turtles like this. I wanted to put the picture of the Ninja Turtles, but I thought that they were too nimble. I can just, you know, flip them and stand out. But isn't it? Sometimes whether it's the hardships or the good times, we become stuck in our faith. And that's the reason why I like this new series. It's not actually a new series. It's an old series entitled Forward. Forward is actually a nine-week discipleship series. And, and in every nation, discipleship is our heartbeat. That everything we do actually revolves on only two things. Right? It's to honor God and make disciples. That's how intentional we are when we talk about and uh, live a life of discipleship. And a lot of Christians no, know about discipleship, but some don't really understand it. That's the sad part. They think that discipleship is, is about going to lessons, taking lessons. Discipleship is about you know, undergoing a course. They, they think about that. But actually, uh, our pastor, Joey Bonifacio, who's helping our church in Singapore, simplified it and said that discipleship is a relationship. And and, and uh, speaking of a relationship, relationship is actually a journey. 
right? Who among you are married here? Right? Tapos niyo ako mahingat. Raise your hands, you know? But maybe God will see your hands raised, you know? But who among you are married here? Okay. Change the question. Who among you hope to get married? Yun na lang. Right? Come on. Come on. If you don't raise your hand, you know, maybe God won't give you your... your <laughs> but even like our marriage, right? Our marriage, it, it's a lifelong journey. It's a relationship. It's a lifelong journey. And... Uh, Me and my wife, it's it's going to be our 24th year this year as married. As married. We've been married for about twi- for 24 years. Uh, and to those of you who are computing, right, how, w- when, when did they get married? At the age of? Thank you so much. <laughs> right? At the age of 12. Right? And uh, we enrolled ourselves in, in a marriage course. Right? It's not because we're having rough patches or we're, having, we're going through... We have quarrels here and there, but but we're we're going strong by the grace of God. But we enrolled ourselves in a course called um, Alpha Marriage, right? And we will offer that to ev- to every married couple soon, right? And and in this course, you're forced to talk about your relationship, where you are right now in your relationship. So you'll be talking about areas in your relationship like communication, openness, etc., etc. And and I realized that even after 24 years of marriage. You know what? I still have a lot to discover uh, from her. I still have to learn a, a lot about my wife. And and if relationship, if discipleship is relationship, and relationship is a journey, right? Bear with me. Don't sleep. Uh, if relationship is a journey, then the indicator of your journey in Christ is what? Progress. Amen? Are you still growing in Christ? Are you still growing in your revelation in Christ? And and to help us with that, you know, to help us, with, and, and sometimes as we go along the journey, we we meet, you know, we have challenges, we face walls. So to help us move forward in our journey, in our relationship with Christ, today we will be talking about essential doctrines. And essential doctrines is very important. Why? Because it becomes the anchor of our faith. Amen. So turn your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. It's just four verses, but I'm hoping to finish before 110. <laughs> Joking. Hey, are you there? Hey, if, if you don't have your Bibles with you, we have a, a large Bible in front. Why don't we stand in reverence to the word? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 to 18. It says here, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in his, all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction so that so they do the other scriptures as they do the other scriptures you therefore beloved knowing this beforehand taking care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and into the day of eternity. 
Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for being with us today. Lord, as we dive into your word, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you will etch, you will engrave those words, Lord God, in our hearts, Lord, so that when we face trials, when we face tribulation, when we face shaking, Lord, our faith will continue to be anchored in you and in you alone. Be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may now be seated. Now, how many of you have read 1 Peter? Right? Raise your hands. How many of you have read 1 Peter? Thank you so much. How about 2 Peter? Right? Uh, thank you so much for raising your hands. Now, if you read both books together, it won't take you 30 minutes. Okay, just, just go ahead and read that later. It's only a few chapters, really. Now, if you've read both books, you would have noticed that there is a difference in how it was written. And and the f in 1 Peter, right, who's the author of 1 Peter? Not first, right? Peter, Peter was the author, right? <laughs> Peter wrote to the believers that are scattered over the known world back then. And why did he write to them? He wanted to encourage them to hold their faith because there were people persecuting them. All right? It was, it was because of an external persecution that Peter wrote to them for an encouragement. Now, in 2 Peter, right, he wrote to the early uh, believers, again, reminding them to hold on to the word of God and guard it against the false teachers. Why? Because this time there was an internal danger because there were false teachers entering the church. So imagine this, no? Imagine this. Someone came here and suddenly thought, you know what? If you follow Christ, you will be rich because, the, because this church is for lovers of money. You know, someone came like that. That's wrong. Why, why? Because the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? So that's what's happening in the early church back then. Someone was coming there, was entering the church, um, and spreading false teachings. Right? So Peter wrote them and warned them against it. Right? So first Peter, external dangers, external threats. Second Peter, internal threats. Right? That's the difference. That's why in verse 14, it says here, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, right, the hope that is to come, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as, savior, as, Lord as salvation. Right? This is very important. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. I mean, it's, it's we are, the re, I think, I feel, no, no, I think that because, Jesus did not return yet because he's giving other people to believe in him. And that's how patient he is. Amen? Now, just, our just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Now, the problem with Paul's writing, remember, Paul was a learned, uh, he used to be a Pharisee, he was, he was trained by Gamaliel, he's very learned, the problem of his writing was some of them were difficult to understand, right? It was difficult to understand, right? So some people would actually come and twist that, twist Paul's writing, right? And, and that's the reason why it says here, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. And because of the difficulty of Paul's, of Paul's writing, false teachers exploit it, okay? That's the background which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures, right? So 
Maybe it's someone who, who, who studied the letter of Paul alone, no? and then he's a member of the church, he studied the letter of Paul alone, and, and then suddenly like, he got this revelation, and then he started teaching something wrong. All right? And, and so that's the reason why Paul wrote to them. So again, right? because 1 Peter external, 2 Peter Oh, rather, First Peter inter external, Second Peter internal dangers. Right now, because of these false teachers, the problem is some get stuck in their faith. They no longer know what to believe. Right, they get stuck in their faith, and I, but I think it's not just false teachers, but also those who are stubborn and arrogant that get stuck in their faith, like the turtle that I showed earlier. In verse 13, right? Thank God, it's all not all turtles are ninja. Otherwise, we, we won't have any uh, illustration. So, how do we avoid getting stuck? That's the question today. Now, for us to not forget it, I came up with an acronym. Alright? And I want you to remember this acronym. Right? And that acronym is D-I-G. Right, dig, right? For obvious reasons. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Um, we have because all of us I, I came up with this acronym because all of us have to grow in our walk with God. Dig. Right? Verse 17 it says here, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, right? Knowing this beforehand. So the first action verb in this acronym, D stands for Right? Sometimes when I ask people why are they in church, you know their answer, oh, because my crush is there. <laughs> right? Because it's fun there, or because I was invited, or because, you know, so and so. And that is all good. But if that is your reason for coming to church, I want to ask you this. When there is no more joy, when there is no more food, when the person who invited you and thank God you're here, right? Thank you so much. When the person of who invited you migrated to Canada, right, will you still come? Will you still come? And, and, and I, because the reason that we have to be in church should not be other people or should not be what we receive from church. It's not because the pastor can preach or, or the music team is great. That's not, that shouldn't be the reason why we come to church. The reason we come to church is to know more about God, right? To commune with God, to worship God, to hear from God. And there will be times when you don't want to come to church. And who, who among you experience that? Times when you don't want to come to church. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Come on, come on, come on. Right? All of us experience that at one point or another. Right Now, there are times when you would like to stay away from the church, and there are times that you would like to stay away from people in the church. You know? When they message you, right? When they message you, scene zone. You know? When they call you, you don't answer. Or when they message you, you answer after three weeks. You know? Or when they call you, you call back after six months. You know? After six months, that would be weird. You know? Oh, 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 oh. Right? Oh, Mosen, I, you called me last six months. Why, wh what do you need? You know? <laughs> that would be weird, right? But there are times when we feel like that. 
But remember, and, and, and you know what? Put that aside. Put that thought aside. The reason why we come to church is because of Jesus Christ. So that when there is a reason for us not to go to church, you know what? Let's remember Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Let's remember what he has given, what we have received through him. And I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to right, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It's just one, one verse, right? But it's packed with, 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 the, with, with what we have received from Christ. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now, this verse is actually packed with, 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 with very important doctrines. Because this is what we have received from Christ. So that when you, when, you, when you fall in the face or when your faith is shaken, you know what? Remember this verse. Right? Remember this verse. And, and you don't have, if, if you don't have notes, it's okay. If you, but if you want to take a copy of the slides later on, just approach uh, Nika. She'll share it to you. Right? Now, verse 18, it says here, For Christ also suffered once for sins. Right? And this talks about propitiation. Right? Propitiation. Right? Romans 3, 24, 25. We'll be going through a lot of verses today. It says here, Romans chapter 3, verse 24 to 25, it says, And are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Right? This was to show God's righteousness because of his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. Right? In 1 John, it just says here that Christ died for you. Right? Because Christ had to shed, forgiveness of sin require, requires blood. Right? Requires blood. But God knew that we're not able to pay for our sins. That's why he sent his son so that his blood can be payment for our sins. Amazing. Right? And because of that, 1 John 4.10, it says here, in this, and in this is love, not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ paid for our sins by His blood. Why? For what? So that we can be forever loved. Right? There's a forever. Right? There's a forever. Right? 1 Peter 3.18, it's, uh, no, uh, and, and, and with this thought, you know, with this thought that there is a forever and we are forever loved by God, when people say that they don't love us or when we are rejected, who do we go back to? Jesus Christ, God, because he loves you until when? Until forever, right? 1 Peter 3.18, I, I wish we had so much time to talk about this. 1 Peter 3.8.10, it says here, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Because Christ died for you, because Christ paid for your sins, you have now experienced imputation. Too much shown, right? Imputation. And Romans 3.10 says, says this, As it is written, no one is righteous, not one. 
No, not one. And when we talk about righteous, who comes to your mind? Again, again? Right. Now, if you talk about the unrighteous, all right, who comes to your mind? If no one comes to your mind, look to the person in front, no? This is the unrighteous. I, I wanted to ask you, like, look at the person at your left, right? But you just look in front. This is the unrighteous. And I'm proud to say that I am unrighteous. Why? Because the because God is so good that He has credited His righteousness on me. An unrighteous person like me has been clothed by the righteousness of God. And that results in my heart a, 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 a thankfulness. I'm so thankful that Christ, who is, you know, who is who was who is God and was in heaven, came to earth to die for me, to make me righteous. And to help us understand this, who among you received uh, bonuses already? Right? Oh, thank you, Misha. All right, thank you so much. All right? and, and we have received our bonus lately. All right? Ay, madulas. <laughs> My mouth slipped. All right? But the, the, the thing is, the bonus that I received, I don't think I was worthy of that bonus because I think I did not work hard enough for my company. But because people worked hard, I too received that bonus. And it's the same thing with God. We're not worthy to be, to, to be for righteousness to be imputed on us because we can, I don't know, every 30 minutes, 30 seconds, one second, whatever. We are all sinners. We are sinners by nature. That's why it's so hard to get away from sin because sin is our nature. That's why when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become a new creation. And His righteousness is imputed on us. Amen? Now, in Christ, you know what? We have received or we have become holy and blameless. Right? First Peter 3.18, let's go back there. Grab it. Too much. Right? That He might bring us to God. And it talks about reconciliation. Ephesians 2.14, it says here, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, in his flesh, right, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, imagine that this podium is a wall. Okay? It's a wall. I try to come to me, you can't, because there's a wall. I come to you, I can't, because there's a wall. But because Christ has died for me, because his body was broken, right? Because he came to earth to die for my sins, I now can come to God boldly. Because of his body that was sacrificed for us, this wall of hostility is broken. Now John 1.12 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave him the right to become children of God. Amazing. Amazing. When I was, before I was born again, before I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I wanted to be a priest. And then, uh, of course, when you want to be a priest, you have to be prayerful, right? And I remember praying every day, in the morning and in the night. But whenever I pray, it feels like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Right? October 30, at 10, 8, 10 p.m. at the bowling alley, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
And that night when I came, wow, I felt that someone is listening. Why? Because of Christ, I have received the right to be called a child of God. And therefore, I can enter into his throne with confidence. Amen? Let's go back. 1 Peter 3.18, right? That he might bring us to God being put, being put to death in the flesh. Right? I want to focus on the word flesh. It talks about the incarnation. Right? Hebrews 9.22 says this, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. With blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. God knew that we will never be able to pay for our sins because we are sinful in nature. Remember, in the Old Testament, it is the requirement for a sacrifice. The sacrifice should be without blemish. It should be a perfect sacrifice. And none of us can ever be perfect. Because our, I keep saying this, because our nature is sinful. None of us can ever be perfect. We will always be tempted. We will, there's always that temptation to sin. Right? And, and because God knew that, and because God is just, because God is just that He sent His Son to die for us on the cross. God knew that we will never be able to pay for our sins. And He sent Jesus Christ to become man. And guess what? Even when He was man, He lived the life that we have, we are supposed to live. Sinless life. And because he was sinless, he became the perfect sacrifice for the payment of our sins, both past, present, and future. Hebrews, Hebrews 4.15, it says here, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect he has, has been tempted as we are yet without sin. You know what? Did Jesus Christ feel hunger? Yes. Did Jesus Christ see illness, sickness? Yes. Did Jesus Christ feel tired? Yes. Right. Did Jesus Christ feel betrayed? Yes. Right On the night that he was betrayed, his apostles left him. He felt abandoned, right? And then, on that same night, he felt rejected. You know what? The people who were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, you know who those people are? It's the same people that has experienced his goodness, his healing, his mercy. It's those same people. And on that night, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He felt all that. And what I'm trying to say is this, but that because he became flesh, you have a priest who is sitting on the right hand of God praying for you and he knows what you're going through. It's just so amazing that we have a God who can sympathize with us. So we don't have to feel rejected. We don't have to feel abandoned. We don't have to feel orphaned because Christ is not just there 
He is also in our hearts. And He knows what we are going through and He is praying for us. Right? First Peter 3.18 Made alive in the Spirit. It talks about resurrection. Right? So we have propitiation, imputation, reconciliation, incarnation, resurrection. We have to remember if even, if even if it's just this five that you remember, whatever storm you will go through, you will make, you know, you will just go through it. Right? On the third day, he rose from the dead. Paul believed this. So much so that actually in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 55, right? He taunted death, said, oh, death, where is your victory? He was, oh, where is your victory? Right? Who you? Right, who you? Where death? Who you? Your your weak death, right? Where is your sting? Your weak, your useless death, right? That's what Paul was saying, right? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus conquered the grave, right? And like Paul you too can be victorious over death. Actually, you're already victorious over death. Right? In Christ. So you, that is the hope, you know, that's the hope that we have received in Christ. You know, the bodies that we have right now, right, that will all be changed. Who among you are taking maintenance medication? Come on, come maintenance, raise your hands. Right? You know what? That will all be gone. Right? So why, why are you looking at the back, JJ? <laughs> right? You know that illness that you have, that will all be gone. The pain that you have in your heart, that will all be gone. That will all be gone. That is the hope that we have in Christ because He has resurrected. Amen? Right? Verse 14, let's go back. Therefore, beloved, uh, therefore, if you believe all of these things, tonight, all of those five things, if you believe in all those things, we are able to live, verse 14, right? Where it says here, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, right, the hope we have in Christ, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. We can live a diligent life without spot or blemish and at peace with God if we know all of that, what we have, of all, all of, of those what we have received from Christ, right? What, it's in, this is very important, you know, very important for us because what we believe in shapes us. If we believe that Christ came and died for us and paid for our sins and through him we can have wholeness of life, if we believe all of those, it's important because that shapes us. Imagine, right, imagine if you don't know that Christ has won over your battle in addiction, over your addiction, you'll still be chained to your addiction, right? Imagine if you don't know that you have, that because of Christ, you are healed. You'll still be chained to your disease. Now, on the other hand, imagine that if you don't know and you don't believe that you are a son of God, and you are poor right now, you'll be chained to your poverty. So what you believe in is important because 
it tells us how the it, it helps shape the way we live. Right belief leads to right living. How many of you would like to live a life that is right with God? Right. How many of you would not raise your hand despite what question I ask? <laughs> right. So knowing this, yeah, uh, and knowing doesn't mean believing. Believing requires a commitment. Believing requires an act of faith. If you believe, if you think you believe, but you don't do it, that's not believing. That's just information. Knowing that you have 20 million dinars in your bank and you're living, you don't have a house, that's just information. But knowing you have 20 million dinars in the bank and you have a nice house, you're living a comfortable life, you're blessing others, that's belief. Belief requires commitment. Yesterday, there was a teacher, okay, they're not here, so I can speak about them. Yesterday, there was a teacher who stood for what he knew was right. right? He knew that the, the school was tampering results of some exams. And he did not feel right about it. And he knew that if he spoke about it, he will lose his job. But yesterday morning, because he knew that he is the son of God, he, he believes that he is a child of God. He believes that he is victorious over these, and he believes that God has enabled him to live a righteous life. He spoke against it again, against it to his supervisor. Knowing is not believing if you don't commit to it. That is just information. And that is one of the dangers that the church is, you know, that the early church was facing. Because a lot of them, I could imagine, a lot of them would talk about the letters of Paul but would live differently. And because of that, people stumble. Belief is important because it shapes the way we live. Right? The Pharisees had 600-something laws. Right? And there, was, there, was, there were 300 do's and about 200-plus don't laws. So imagine if you were living back then, you will wake up in the morning, take out your checklist. Uh, ba, you know? And then you go, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And, oh, I don't do this, I don't do this. And then suddenly, before you go to bed, you look at your checklist again, and then you saw that, oh, there's two things that I did not do today. That would be a difficult life. The challenge with Christianity today is that we find ourselves in a pendulum. Have you, I know, some of us, you know, saw this pendulum, right? One side will be legalism, right? It's do's and don'ts. And the other side of the pendulum will be, it's hard to read, licentiousness, right? Where we think that love is enough, that grace, you know, is enough, and therefore it gives us license to sin, right? If we are all in either side of this pendulum, we really don't understand what we believe in. Because what we have to be is in the middle of the pendulum. We know that there is a law. Right? We know that there is a law. But we understand that this law is no longer written in tablets, but it's written in our hearts. And therefore, when we obey this law, it will be our joy. The middle of the pendulum is where our joy is aligned with God's 
prayer. Amen? No. The first action word is believe, right? And it's big, right? The second action word is immovable. Be immovable. Genesis verse 17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care not that you are not that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. I told you earlier that belief is important because believing results in stability. Right? Now, we have a quiz. What is the Greek word for anchor? Right? And those who will know, who know the answer, right, will have a prize. In one second, one. Okay, no one knows the answer. Okay. No, because the campus knows it. Okay, the Greek word for anchor is anchor. It's anchor. Now, now, in the Old Testament times, anchors are actually rocks piled together and they're you know, tied together. So that's a very heavy anchor. And it's placed in the front of the boat and at the back of the boat. Now, what are anchors for? So that when there's a storm, you go, don't get carried away. Right? That's why I have a, a, a ship illustration here. It's a moored ship. Now, if you look at it, the wind is coming from this side and, and the ship is moored in the front and in the back. Right? Because if it's just one end, it will sway. Or if it's just the other end, it will sway. So imagine someone carrying the container and the ship sway. Right? Big problem. Big problem. Now, there are two anchors. Now, one in the front and one in the back. Anchors are important so that we are not carried away. And the first anchor is what? It's God's word. Be immovable. Why? How? In God's word. 1 Peter 3.12 So now... The second, or three, one to two, rather. Uh, this, is no, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, right? That you should remember, right? The predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Back then, there was no Bible yet. Now, the problem with our time today is that we have a very easy access to information. Right? Who among you, while I'm preaching, took out your phones and did Google something? I do it. Don't worry. I also do it personally. But I actually know someone who thinks that Facebook is a legitimate source of information. Right? So what do I feed my child today? Okay, Facebook. Right? I told her, use Google better. Right? The problem with us is that we are... We have so we have very easy access with information that it's so easy as easy for us to be swayed. Right? A, a friend of mine watched a commentary, a, a documentary that says the Bible is not true, that Jesus was not true. And he was swayed by it. But if we know what is important, we will not be swayed. If we are, you know, anchored on the word of God, we will not be swayed. That's why that's why it's so important for us to be part of a community that will help us not be swayed. And, and you said, word of God. Why now, community? What's the connection? Right? The Bible is not actually designed to be read alone. It's designed to be read in a community. 
So much so that when they read the Bible, they gather in a synagogue and they have these scrolls that they were carrying with them. So they would un, 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 open those scrolls, read the word, and then discuss as a community. Right? Pastor Steve always says this. He said that we do theology together. Because the moment that you study the word alone, and you th um, the moment that you think you know everything, just like what Yogi said earlier, that is the moment that you will be unstable. The word of God, first answer. Second answer is our community. That's why it's so important for us to do one-to-one. -one. It's so important for us to be part of a life group. It's so important for us to be active in our local church. Because we need a community to be stable. Now turn to your neighbor and say, we are stronger together. Alright? So, believe, immovable, alright? And the last action word is grow. Alright? Grow. Are we almost there? Is that Verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of Him, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him with the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now, look at this word, right? Peter did not ask us to grow in the teaching. Peter did not ask us to grow in the knowledge. He asked us to grow in what? In the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Like what I said earlier, Army and I, you know what? It's our 24th anniversary this year. But even, you know, all those 24 years, I still have to learn a lot about her. There's a certain politician who said this, marry me now and I will court you forever. Right? I hope that will be your, your, your uh, what do you call that? Proposal. No? Marry me now and I will court you forever. You know what? Why, why that really matters? Because if relationship is a journey, right? For a man, for a man, when, if it's a journey, he, it, train and then station, kunwari, alright? Train and station. For a man, when he hops into the train, that's courtship. And then in the end of the train, that's marriage. So for a man, you know, their marriage life ends at the destination. But for a woman, it's different. So men, be careful. For a woman, alright, for a woman, the moment they hop into a train, that's the start of the journey. That's not courtship yet. So that's why when they get married, that's the start. You know, when they start, when they ride the train, that's where the marriage, is, uh, that's where the journey begins for them, for you as a couple. So my suggestion to you, men, all right, don't let marriage be the end of your courtship because knowing the people that you love takes a lifetime. Right? So my question to you this afternoon is this. If our relationship with Jesus Christ is a journey, again, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. My question to you this, mo this afternoon would be, what is your latest discovery about Christ? What's your latest discovery about Christ? What is, your latest what is the latest revelation you received from Christ? John 5, 39, 40 says this. He was speaking with the Pharisees. And, and the Pharisees were actually the guardians of the word. And then not the guardians of the world or the galaxy. Huh? The Pharisees were the guardians of the word. And Jesus said this to the Pharisees. He said, you search the scriptures 
because you think that in them you have eternal life. You listen to the word, you read your Bible because you think that in them you have eternal life. And yet, and it is that they bear, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet, right, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Sometimes we become so enthusiastic about the word of God that we forget about Christ. We get so excited about ministry. We get so excited about the things we do in church and yet forget about Christ. And where we started earlier, John 6, 66. Very scary verse. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Past tense. We have believed. Past tense. And when did, he, when did, when did Peter know about Christ? Remember, remember the story where Jesus walked in water? That's where Peter encountered Christ. Peter encountered Christ in the midst of the storm. My question to you today is that have you encountered Christ in the middle of your storm? Peter stood firm because he encountered not the good teaching. Peter stood firm not because he received the blessings of the Lord. Peter stood firm because he became a better person. Peter stood firm because he encountered Christ. If you want to go big, if you want to become big, you know what? My suggestion for you, long for an encounter with Christ. It's a spiritual discipline, longing for Christ that we have to develop. Now, no matter what challenge you face or no matter the victories you receive, grow big. Believe, be immovable, grow. Not because you encountered the teaching, not because you were blessed in church, but you have encountered Christ. So why don't we stand and, and give you the privilege. Let us pray. Father, I know, Lord God, that in this room, Father, there are people, Lord God, who have, Lord God, got stuck in their journey with you. Lord Father, I know, Lord God, that in this room, Lord God, standing with me right now, Lord God, are people, Lord God, who, who have to move forward in their walk with you. And I thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, reminding us, Lord, of what you did on the cross so that we can have a personal relationship with you, Lord, and we can move forward in our walk with you. And Father, I'd like to ask you right now, let your spirit, Lord God, touch that person who's stuck. And if you're stuck in your walk with God, I want you to just raise your hands as an act of surrender. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. 
But God is promising you that you can be big in Him. He sent His Son so that you can be immovable, that you can believe and that you can grow in Him. So if you are that person who's stuck right now, if you haven't received, if you haven't heard from God lately, you know what I ask you, I urge you, I beg you to raise your hands right now so that we can pray for you as a community. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Father, you see these hands that are raised right now. Lord, I ask, Lord, right now that you renew, Lord God, your calling to their in their lives. Father, I ask right now, Lord God, that as you see these hands that are being raised, Father, I ask you that you refill, Lord God, your spirit in their hearts, in their lives. Lord, fan into flame, Lord God, their love for you. Lord, ignite, Lord God, a flame that will never be quenched, Lord. A flame, Lord God, that longs for your presence. A flame, Lord God, that longs and yearns. Lord God, cries out, Lord God, for your presence in their lives. And I declare, Father, that they will have, I ask, Lord, that you give them a new encounter, Lord God, with you. Lord, I know, Lord God, that they are in the middle of their waters right now. Lord, maybe they think, Lord God, that they're walking in the waters right now. Father, I pray, Lord God, just like how you revealed yourself, Lord God, to Peter. Lord God, so tell them, Lord God, that you are there I am. And if you're raising your hands right now, I'm, if you're raising your hands right now, I'm, Lord God, God is speaking to you and He's saying, Son, daughter, here I am. Here I am. Cry out to the Lord. Share your pain. Lord, some are hurt. Lord, I declare healing. Some are sick, Father. I declare healing. Some are broken, Father. I, I declare restoration. And Father, because you have fanned into flame, Father, their passion for you. Lord, I ask right now, Lord God, that they, Lord God, just experience your warm embrace. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you, Lord God, Comfort them, Lord, and tell them, Lord God, that they are loved and accepted in your family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. When we lift our hands to receive the benediction, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you a fresh encounter every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much.